Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is Easter and Lenten online recipes. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zantelow, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Dawn Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so typically in Lent, there is a Wednesday night soup supper, and it was mm-hmm. usually run potluck style. Yes. So this year, obviously, that was not going to happen. So we decided to take the recipes online and try to foster some sort of community spirit where we couldn't actually be physically present. And last year, we were able to have one or two of the Lenten soup supper classes and evenings together, and then we shut it down, but we didn't have any time to come up with an alternative. Nope. This year, since we had the time, and Dawn is brilliant and thinks of these things, we had this, you know, wondering about posting recipes up online to remember or to maybe encourage folks to make some soup and have some bread on Wednesday nights before we gathered. Sure, because you were still doing some sort of have a discussion and then have some sort of a worship. It was the whole evening prayer, correct? Exactly. So you were still gathering Mm -hmm. just via Zoom. And it was later in the evening. So normally our soup suppers run at like 5, 5.30, and then at like 6.15, we start our education hour and we would end at 7 o'clock so that we'd have worship at seven o'clock and then choir would meet after that. Sure. And so this was a little bit different in that we did everything from seven to 8 p.m., but still had education, conversation, in-depth spiritual contemplation together, and then our hold an evening prayer service. So when did these Wednesday night things start? Has it been something that you've always done in your ministry? Actually, yes. All of my congregations have had Wednesday evenings in Lent, and some of them have Wednesday evenings in Advent as well. Oh, interesting. And I know I've heard my mother-in-law talk about it in the Midwest as well, but it is not something that I grew up with in the Catholic tradition at all. Wow, fascinating. Yeah, it's a pretty normal thing, it seems like, to have these kind of midweek services. Now, whether they're combined with education is different by congregation. Some congregations do education on those evenings. Some congregations just come together for a meal and then a worship service. Okay. But it's kind of all over. Here at Central, as long as I have been here and many, many, many years before my time, the congregation has had these soup suppers, some kind of an education hour, like about 45 minutes of education time, and then hold an evening prayer, which is a service that is about 15 to 20 minutes long. Okay. How have they evolved since you've been doing this or have they not evolved and they just are kind of a steady thing? They're steady. There was a year where we as a congregation were in partnership with some other local congregations in the same Northeast Portland area where we tried to do it together. Uh But what we found is that members really appreciate and have a heart connection to their own community's version of this. Oh, really? And it was very hard for congregations to give up their own individual identification participation pattern and to work together to do education intentionally across seven congregations. Oh, that's fascinating how you could be all Lutherans all in the same city and still have different ideas of how this should all play out. 
Absolutely. Vastly different ideas and vastly different expectations. So we even that year took it to neutral ground. We didn't use any one congregation's gathering space. We met at the Q Center in North Portland. And it was great. And it was, of course, you know, a huge number of people. When you have seven congregations of 10 get together, if 10 people from each congregation normally attend on a Wednesday night, or maybe 20 people on an average Wednesday night per congregation, then when you get like five to seven congregations together, that's a it's impressive. That's a substantial number of people. And it was very hard for a lot of people to let go of their own communities. Maybe it was the time got shifted, or maybe it was the style of worship that got shifted. Mm-hmm. But things changed, and it was a challenge. But for us at Central, it has been pretty consistent. The topics of the education have changed every year. Okay. And what we dug into and how we dug into things has been different every single year. And that's decided on really in this congregation, it's the one time when the rostered leaders are kind of in charge of the education planning. Okay. Our Sunday morning adult education is much more designed by our membership than it is by rostered leaders here, which is different than many places. Okay. So this is really the point where the rostered leaders get six weeks to dig into a topic that we know the congregation needs to dig into and, or five weeks, right? How can we really intentionally take a journey for five weeks on a topic together? Is it something then where you pass off the find somebody to bring soup, do the setup, whatever, and I'm just going to focus on the education? Did you always have a go-to person or is that somebody on a board somewhere? The congregation has had a very, very faithful volunteer who has been doing the organizing for long before I arrived here. And that individual has always put up the sign-up sheets and it includes the cleanup afterwards and that kind of a thing. So the meal, the fellowship side has been beautifully and elegantly run for the years that I've been here. Nice. Okay. So what kind of soups do you like to see every year? Oh man, isn't that a personal thing? What always amazes me is that there's usually five to six different big crock pots filled with soup and they're all vastly different. Mm-hmm. And in this congregation, there's always a vegetarian option and often a vegan option as well, mm-hmm. which is very different than other places that I have served. And the breads that come in are always so good. But gosh, what do I look forward to? Anything that comes from our retired judge. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> pretty incredible. Uh, there's another family that particularly adores avocados, that pretty much anything that he brings in, nice. he makes some amazing soups. So I'm a soup person. I love soup. I am too. I will eat it all year round. It does not have to be cold and wet. Every single day. When I was a kid, mom used to give me chicken noodle soup for breakfast. It's nice. a thing for me, but my spouse does not like soup. Oh, no. So it means that on Lent soup supper, I go to town. I usually try at least two, if not three a night. Well, that's the thing. I'm the kind of person who likes to cook enough and likes to try new things that I'm going to try everybody's 
meat or no, because I typically run vegetarian because uh-huh. I'm fascinated what people will come up with. <laughs> Which is partly why I decided if we're not going to be able to do that, I want to at least get as many recipes from people as I can. That's awesome. (laughs) Sadly, it was a very self-serving idea. (laughs) But it's been fun, like having people kind of put things in. Yeah, it's been wonderful. Okay, so in addition to the Wednesday night, the other thing that the Lutherans usually do, which I don't remember as a kid, the Catholics, you might be able to get some coffee, juice, and donuts. Maybe there's a pancake dinner run by the Knights of Columbus, but y'all do an Easter brunch. Yeah. And this, again, is something even my husband will tell stories of, usually things that he was reprimanded for that he was doing in the kitchen with the other youth, (laughs) but it's typically led by their youth, correct? Isn't that interesting? Yes. And I find this fascinating because it has been a youth-led thing at most congregations I've served. Yeah. Especially the first one. It was the major fundraiser of the year. Oh, really? Yes. So what this often is, is a fundraiser for the youth program, particularly for going to the national youth gatherings. Oh, that makes perfect sense. And so in my first call, and we had, they still have a ginormous fellowship hall, and they would open it all out because they have the dividing walls for individual classrooms. Mm Mm-hmm. So the whole thing would be opened up and the tables all set out and they would start at like 5 a.m. making food. And it was a full on ham, eggs, pancakes, orange juice, fully served Mm -hmm. breakfast. Like you're not going through a line to get things from a buffet. You walk in, you are seated by a high school student They ask you what you want. They go to the kitchen. They get the plate served up. They come and bring it to you. You eat this amazing, ginormous breakfast. They clean up afterwards. And it was the major or one of the major fundraisers of the year. Oh, man. It was an effort. And I was so grateful to not be responsible for that. (laughs) That's a whole lot of coordinating that has to go on. Holy moly, like I have never seen, like in theory, I understand the idea of getting those big giant bags of eggs that you just basically bake Yeah, for scrambled eggs, but I had never actually seen it done. Well, in part of this, I am the proud owner of many church cookbooks from the Midwest. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I went back to look at some of them and oh yeah, there is egg bake for 40 in one of them. And there's many, many recipes where feeding a crowd is the whole point. Totally. And so it was interesting when I got to Central, it was right at this like shifting point where there had been a whole lot of high school youth, but we were moving to a point where there weren't going to be so many high school youth, but there was this Easter brunch and are we going to continue to do this? Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of work and are we going to continue to do pancakes and the whole nine yards? And that's the year where it shifted to continental style, potluck style, let's bring breakfast casseroles Mm -hmm. and maybe some breads and maybe some fruit. Mm -hmm. And then it became a lot less formal at Central than it had been historically, I believe, but still hugely attended. Very well attended. And people bring flowers to put on the tables and 
decorate and it's a pretty big deal. It is a big deal because my kids are the age they were. I think we might have missed having to be in the back for the first one. But for Mm -hmm. most of the ones that we've been here, my oldest is old enough that he would have had to help one way or another, which meant the family is all going to help one way or another. (laughs) It is a fundraiser for us. We have the basket out for people to put money in and it does go to benefit the youth program at Central. But I've never paid any attention to that basket, though. Exactly. It's not been really pushed really heavily. Mm -mm. And so it's a potential for the future to head that direction. But for now, that's not what it's been. Maybe in the next five years. So this all, either one, seems like a ginormous amount of work between the coordinating of the food, the setting up of everything, and the making sure Mm -hmm. things are cleaned up afterwards. Why do you think it's worth the effort? Why do you think it's something that continues on? Fellowship matters. Yeah. And eating together matters. And we don't do it all that often. Mm -mm. And even when we have like a congregational meeting, we try to boost up what kind of food is provided for the coffee hour after worship, because we know we're going to have people there for another hour, hour and a half. And with our service starting at 1015, we're getting into the lunch hour and people need some protein. They need more than just a cookie to get through an annual meeting. And so... For those kinds of services, we try to make sure there's some hummus. We try to make sure there's some cheese. We try anything to help, particularly folks who have blood sugar regulation stuff, right? Like we really Mm want to make certain we have some protein alongside of the sugars and things like that that come with coffee and tea. But that's about the extent of our potlucking in our congregation. We don't do a ton of just fellowship events. And so these Wednesday nights in Lent and... Easter morning brunch, part of what is gift about them is this opportunity to gather in fellowship and Mm -hmm. to gather and eat together and have conversation and enjoy each other's company in a different way. Even our coffee hour at Central sometimes is pretty quick. Yeah. It surprises me by the time I get done with shaking hands get back to my office, use the restroom, take off my robe, remove my microphone, answer the two questions of the people who are waiting at my door. (laughs) Inevitably. (laughs) Inevitably. And then make my way back down the hallway to walk into the coffee hour. Half the people are gone. There might be 10, 5, 10 people remaining by the time that I get there. Coffee hour is very relatively short in our congregation. And I think part of that is the late start of our service. Oh, absolutely. My father dragged us to 8 a.m. service on Sunday morning. And let me tell you, he lingered over the coffee, juice, and donuts afterwards to the point where we were like, oh, right? Here we go now. Yeah, because there's still plenty of time in the morning. Oh, yeah. But when our service ends typically at 11.30, Sure. People are ready to head out into the day. Oh, yeah. People are heading to lunch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that that has an impact and makes these particular events all that much sweeter, that we make the time and we create the space for it. And we have our education hour before worship. Mm -hmm. So it's not like we could, I mean, we could in theory if we wanted to, especially considering we've done 
all kinds of weird things during COVID. Oh, absolutely. We could totally consider having some kind of once a month, the hour before worship is actually a potluck breakfast when we come back just for fellowship purposes. Sure. And maybe that would bring more people for the education hour. (laughs) Oh, that's the beauty of food. It always brings people. But I was kind of curious if the way we eat has changed how some of these have happened because you got a lot more people with a lot more dietary restrictions than when I ever remember growing up having to deal with. And we try at our congregation to be accessible. Absolutely. I've made it part of my mission to tell you the truth. Right. And so being accessible means that we create vegan offerings for each time that we Mm -hmm. have something we create a Mm gluten-free it's a big deal and that's a whole other level of commitment to accessibility and and hoping that we can be a place for folks but it's a challenge I remember the first year I think it was an Easter brunch and what I brought was hard-boiled eggs yeah I didn't even turn them into deviled eggs I just brought a bunch of hard-boiled eggs and put them on the table because that was my capacity. (laughs) I think it's brilliant. But there were several people with allergies for whom that was a safe option. Yep. And so even just thinking about ways that we can do things like that. Yeah, it does not have to be gourmet and complicated Mm -mm. by any stretch of the imagination. Mm Mm-mm. Okay, so you've been managing the recipe blog. And for people who are curious about this, it's centralportland.org slash recipes. As you received the recipes in for bread and soup and then Easter breakfast, were there any of them that stood out to you as like, oh, I want to try this or this is super curious? Because you are a baker extraordinaire and you're an incredible cook. So was there anything that really was exciting to receive? Yes, there were a couple of soups where I'm excited to try to modify. And this is the thing that I didn't know how much I should go into on that. Because in my brain, I'm thinking kids have different things that they like to eat. And my kids in particular have been picky in the past. In addition to that, there's also the dietary issues. Mm -hmm. And I'm afraid that most people, when they look at a recipe, can only see the exact ingredients that are on that screen and can't Mm. think beyond the, well, this calls for bread and I can't have bread, so I guess I can't make this recipe. Whereas there's so many wonderful modifications you can make to these recipes where you can use a gluten-free bread or you can use a non-dairy milk if it calls for some cream of some sort. So from that standpoint, there's a lot of stuff in there that I would not have considered coming across or making But Uh now that it's come to my attention, I'm excited to try that very much so. Fascinating. That's exciting. Yeah. And as I'm writing up some of these other recipes, I'm often tempted to put in, you can do this with a fake meat. You can do this with some other alternative. You totally should. Totally do that. I have in many places, but I, I want people to be adventurous when it comes to food because for me, food is fun. That's awesome. I love even just the hint of being able to think outside the box on that. I'm one of those cooks that the way that I cook, except for a few, very, very few recipes, and those are my family recipes, I just follow the directions. Uh Because I explained it once to my spouse saying, there's a difference between someone who understands how math works (laughs) and someone who just does math. Mm -hmm. And so... 
if I'm looking at something, I don't actually know what baking soda and baking powder do. Mm -hmm. I just know how to follow the recipe and do the math. So for people who have that creativity and that creative spirit, I love getting glimpses of it. I love getting, oh, hey, you can try almond milk or you can oh yeah, give it a whirl with coconut milk. It's going to make it this little bit much sweeter. So you may want to take out the sugar a little bit. Sure. Like however it is that those ideas come. Well, it's a gift I'm, to those of us without the skill. Yeah. And I'm going to throw out to the everybody who's listening that if you have a recipe to share, you are more than welcome to send it to podcast at centralportland.org. And I will happily put it up on those pages. Yes, that would be so awesome. Mm -hmm. I would love to see some recipes from the podcast community. Absolutely. Okay. That's going to bring me to my last question. Is there a favorite thing that you like seeing every year that comes to either a potluck or an Easter brunch that you have managed to snag the recipe for, or are you still waiting? What I love the most are actually recipes with a little bit of story to them. Oh, sure. And this may come from the kind of recipe books that I had as a kid or the way that my mother taught me to cook. And so any of the recipes on there that have like that little bit of personal story to them, mm -hmm. that this recipe is good on a fall day in the rain or on wet, springy, rainy days, you know, anything that has some kind of hint of who it's coming from and their heart and their spirit and their story. I'm a sucker for a recipe like that. Nice. Which is part of why the recipes that I submitted like tell a bit of story. Mm -hmm. They're more informal, not like blog style, like we're going to tell you 85 details about my life before I ever tell you that we're going to make biscuits to today. recipe. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't have time for that. But for like the fun stuff of if you need a description of how to cut these... <laughs> Mm -hmm. Here's the description about losing the recipe and finding the recipe and how to cut them to make the bars so that you have something delicious and buttery. And pretty much all of my family's recipes involve a lot of butter. <laughs> I recognized that. Oh, yeah. It's a thing. <laughs> well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about the Easter and Lenten online recipes for Central. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. And thank you, Don, for creating the space for these recipes. And I look forward to seeing if this continues to grow as a potential. There's just so much deliciousness. For folks out there, Don has some amazing dessert recipes. Maybe we can talk her into sharing. Not that I would ever bake them as well as Don can. Well, but... we can do a whole one on coffee hour recipes, that's for sure. Oh, that would be amazing. Until we are back in your ears again, please remember that you can reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org. Send us some of your favorite recipes. Visit the blog, centralportland.org slash recipes. Maybe check out a couple of new things. Send us pictures. Let us know if you have been adventurous and taken advantage of any of these. And until the day that we are back with you again, remember, God loves you no matter what.